Well, uh, good afternoon. My name is Ian, if you don't know me, and uh, we're continuing our summer series, as Ian was saying there, on the fruit of the Spirit that you'll find in Galatians chapter 5. So let me just read to you from Galatians chapter 5, just a couple of verses there that uh, contain what we're talking about. So this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Just testing there. Um, And we're in the summer series now, and so if you haven't been with us over a summer before, what happens is that although there's some continuity in the series, as we, uh, in this case, looking at these nine nine uh, elements of the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, each sermon sort of stands on its own. Each message stands on its own. Um, normally, uh, when we speak on a Sunday, we'll be digging in one, into one particular passage, really getting into what God wants us to know from that one passage. In this, we're more thinking about what the, well, the whole of the Bible has to say about this fruit. So... Um, for those of you who remember the advert about uh, let your fingers do the walking, you are going to be jumping about a bit in the Bible. So uh, do get your fingers ready. We're going to be looking at a couple of different passages going backwards and forwards. Um, now, in terms of fruit, I, I have a couple of grapevines at, at home. Uh, my, my success at growing grapes is not going to be threatening the British grape growing industry in any way. Uh, at all. I think Andrew and Helen have had some uh, more uh, success than I have. Um, But Jesus uh, often talked about uh, fruit in different ways. Let me read to you from uh, John chapter 15. This is John chapter 15 verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we're going to be thinking about this fruit today, particularly, as Rich said, that first characteristic of this fruit, love. So uh, if we are the branches and we're called to be fruitful, we're going to use that idea to look at love, but we're going to use another word for branch. We're going to use the word twig. Uh, it's not totally the same, but it's close. Uh, hopefully, we are going to think about uh, the trinity of love, the work of love, the importance of love, and growing in love. Yeah, okay, I know, but come on. You're going to relate to it as we go through it. Uh, but hopefully, what we're going to see is, 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 is the source of love and, and the importance of love in our lives, as well as our responsibility to grow in love as we go through. <clears throat> but first of all, uh, and this might be why my grape harvest isn't very good, first of all we need to do some preparing of the ground uh, around our grapevine. Uh, so let's do some digging before we move up to the twig. I hope I really don't peak too early with all the gardening metaphors. Uh, gonna apologise. You're gonna hear in a lot of these over the next eight weeks. Get used to them, to be honest with you. Um, 
so first of all, it's it's important that, and some of you will know this, that uh, the word love has a lot of different meanings, doesn't it? Uh, when we say the word love, we can mean a number of different things. As we're here in Yorkshire, of course, it is a term of endearment. We Just about anybody who you meet, you can safely call love, and that is okay. Uh, in my opinion, that is far superior to the words duck, uh, mate, pal, or slightly bizarrely, if you're from parts of North Nottinghamshire, youth. I couldn't believe it the first time someone called me youth. I wasn't, had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, but the word love has many different meanings. And uh, in Greek, in the Greek language that uh, Paul wrote this letter in, they solved that problem by having, instead of one word, they had a number of different words for love. So they had the word eros to describe what we might think as romantic love. Uh, storgy, if I'm saying that right, which is a family love, the love of parents for children, for example. Um, philia, which is the love between friends. And agape, which describe divine love, the most noble kind of love, a self-sacrificing kind of love. Love that has something of God in it. Agape is the word at the start of this list of fruit or characteristics of fruit. It's agape that we're thinking about this afternoon. Uh, I think it's also worth mentioning that I think uh, Galatians uh, at this point is primarily talking about love for one another. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 that the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. And so you'll find those two themes running throughout the Bible, love for God and love for neighbours. Uh, but in this case, when, when uh, Paul is writing about the, the fruit, it seems to be about loving your neighbour. Um, so that's important to think about as we dig into the other parts of the, of the passage. Um, another piece of groundwork, another need of preparation we need to think about is the word spirit here. Uh, Paul says the fruit of the spirit with a, a capital S. Uh, so it's not any old spirit because it's got a capital S. It's a particular person uh, who is a spirit. Christians sometimes called, call this the Holy Spirit. And, and You might be familiar with that idea. You might not be. Um, we're going to get, dig into that in a lot more detail in a minute. Um, because he's the third person of the Trinity. You remember we'll be talking about the Trinity in a minute. The Trinity is a word used to describe God. Three persons. In one being, one essence, who is God. Um, it's God's unique nature. But each of the three persons of the Trinity do a bit of a different job. And the, the churchy word for that is, uh, when we think about God in that way, is Trinity. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, is co-equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son. But he prefers to operate more in the background. He likes to give glory to the Father and to the Son, uh, but he comes and lives in each person who becomes a Christian at the moment of their conversion. And that's the relevance of it here today. And so because he knows us intimately, because he's living us, he, he helps us to read the Bible, helps us to pray. He'll 
convict us when we're not doing what we should do, when we're, we're, when we're sinning. He brings us specific gifts to use to build up the church and he brings us, as we're saying today, the fruit of the Spirit, which as Ben said last week, is about making us more like Jesus. So, that's our groundwork done. We can now start thinking about the twigs or the twig. Uh, first of all, the trinity of love. So just uh, thinking some more about the idea of trinity. Now, uh, the, the, the nature of the trinity is significant for all kinds of reasons, zillions and zillions of reasons. But when it comes to love, the important thing is that love has to have an object. Right? You have to love something or someone. So from before time, the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, have been perfectly loving each other with this agape love. And now, God is inviting us to take part in that same agape love. Tim Keller very beautifully describes it as a dance at the beginning of his book, King's Cross. He, he describes how these three persons have been dancing together perfectly since before time and now we're being invited to join that dance. That is a picture that's always, I think, stuck with me, that we're being invited to join something that has been eternal something so loving and precious say come on come and take part but as we said a moment ago each uh, person of the trinity has a unique uh you know, operates in a different way and so um the first point to make is that god the father is the very definition of love why because god is love if you have your Bible and you're going to uh, uh, flick backwards and forwards with me, just turn over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We'll be back there again uh, in a bit. But you can see there when you look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. What does it say there? Uh, Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. It says it again in verse 16. God is love love yes he loves us yes he's a loving god but even more fundamentally god is love if we want to decide the quality of something uh when we when we if it relates to love that is the that's what we're going to hold it up against to measure it what the bible tells us that god himself is love or if we think about the passage that helen uh, read for us uh, a few moments ago, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. You'll be familiar to that if you with that if you've been to more than one wedding in your life. Um, starting in verse four, we get some of the characteristics of this love, don't we? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. Um, some of those sound quite a lot like the other parts of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, there's a certain these characteristics of love are also appearing in the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 why because love is the preeminent characteristic 
of this fruit. These characteristics all describe what a agape love is like. They tell us what God is like. Patience, kind, not proud. But love is, is, the, is the fuel to them all. Alternatively, when we're thinking about God as being the definition of these things, the, the opposite of those things in verse 4 and, and verse 5 are not God-like at all. God is not impatient. He is not unkind. He is not unrighteous. He is not proud. So God the Father is, is the definition of love. But, but how about the rest of the Trinity? Well, well uh, Jesus is the ultimate example of love. The Father acted lovingly in sending his son Jesus so that he could be an example for us. If you want to look at someone's life that is perfectly concerned with the interests of others, with the welfare of others, with compassion for others, it is Jesus. We can see this when we read about him in the Bible. Whether you were thinking about his teaching, his miracles, the, the conversations he had with the disciples, even the way in which he criticised the other religious leaders was acting selflessly, was acting lovingly if we go back to back to uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 God it, this this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins the ultimate expression of love the ultimate example of son, the perfect son of God, choosing to die in our place. He, he paid a ransom for us, for us who, who choose self-interest over agape love again, again and again. Jesus instead chooses to die in our place. We've broken God's commands. We've ignored his good gifts for us. Jesus, knowing this, chooses of his own free will to pay the ultimate price, the ultimate example of this noble love, paying the penalty for sin in our lives. Even more than that, because, because in that same act, he gives his followers, those who follow him and believe in him, he gives his followers his own righteousness. His own good standing with God so that we can enter into that agape loving relationship with the Trinity. We spoke about at the beginning. The riches, the depth of this love that Jesus shows us are beyond our ability to fully grasp. But they are a perfect example. We can keep meditating and reading about this for all of our life and we will never totally, 100% fully grasp it, but we can say it is amazing. We can say it is truly divine. And, and for those followers who, who, who are following that ex example, then God the Father approves that example for us by first of all by raising Jesus from the dead in the resurrection but also 
by sending the Holy Spirit, as we said a few moments ago, to live in each believer as evidence of that love. That is the evidence of that love. So our, our third point under, under the Trinity, unsurprisingly, I'll talk about some more about the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit is the power of this agape love. And we need that power. I don't know how you are. I struggle to, to stack a dishwasher correctly. Okay? So, so to be able to love someone with this kind of love is an incredibly tall order. And as humans, we can't do it on our own. Back in Galatians chapter 5, a little earlier on, Paul, Paul tells us why this is. Chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Uh, for the sinful nature, so we all have a sinful nature, right? The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Our sinful nature is contrary to this fruit that the spirit has inside us. And that's why we've got that internal war going on. If you're a Christian here today, you know that, that war, right? You know that war inside you, that war where you know what's right and you still want to do what's wrong and you have to fight it all the time, every day. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to help us do that. It's the Holy Spirit who, uh, it says in Galatians, who when we walk in step with the Spirit, that will help us to fight that sinful nature. If agape love is divine love and it exhibits of something God in it, then, then I want to suggest that, that humans cannot reflect that love without the divine power of the Holy Spirit inside. Okay, back on the twig. We're on our twig. We've talked about the Trinity. We're now going to think about the work of love. I love work. I can watch it all day long. Uh, but God is not like that. God is not like that. He's not just going to watch. He takes loving action. God takes loving action. And we read that throughout the Bible. Whether it's the love that, that caused him to create everything. The act of creation in Genesis chapter 1 is, is a loving thing. Or his love for his people Israel as we read that throughout the Old Testament. His love for particular people. Uh, King David. Um, as we said, the pinnacle of that loving, of, of that love, the most loving act, is sending Jesus amongst us. But agape love, it works. It is a working love. It is active. Uh, God shows us that in 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 different loving expressions. Back in uh, one John chapter four, uh, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through him god does something john three sixteen in the gospel of john for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son if god was to love and not take loving actions then that would be hypocrisy if he on the other hand if he were to take loving actions and not to to be loved then that would be legalistic and god is not uh, not legalistic God is not a hypocrite. Neither of those things is agape love. That's part of the reason Paul wrote this letter, actually, to the people in Galatia, what is now 
uh, Turkey nearly 2,000 years ago because uh, quite a number of the folks in the church were being legalistic insisting on particular rules that weren't weren't uh, totally necessary and on the other hand some were being hypocrites and just not uh, acting in the way they should and Paul writes this letter to them saying actually folks there's a third way there's a third way there is agape love the followers of Jesus have a character trait and act lovingly towards one another. So we're keeping going on our, our twig. We're on the, uh, the third bit of the twig. Um, the importance of love. If we can think of God as the definition of love, Jesus is the example of love, and the Holy Spirit is the power of love, and, and that uh, love is working, then... Okay, is that is that its significance? That's its source. That's where it's come from. Why does it? Why is it going to matter to me? Why does it matter to you? Well, first of all, it's a signpost. It's a signpost for us. We have seen that that this love is divine. It's self-sacrificing. It does not look like eros. It does not look like storge or phil- or philia that we will more commonly encounter. Let me read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter thirteen, verse thirty-four. Jesus says, "A new command I give you: Love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know." that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is saying that by doing this, other people are going to know that we follow Jesus. When the followers of Jesus show this kind of love, they show that God, God the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are real. And they're doing all the stuff that we talked about earlier on. Friends, nothing else looks like this. Nothing else looks like this love, this agape love being displayed. People can see it's different. We know it's different. And because it shows that that God the Father, God the the Son and God the Holy Spirit are real and that they are living in that person. It shows that 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 Christian is saved. That's why they have them. That's why they can do that. That's why they can show that kind of love. And if you put those two things together, then it shows that 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 Christian um, is going to spend their eternal life with God, with Jesus in heaven. So acting in this way is a with this kind of love, is a powerful signpost to the people around us, to the world, that the gospel is true, that eternal life can be ours by believing in Jesus and following him, rather than through legalism and hypocrisy, which would characterise just a futile faith. And this makes it essential to the church. This makes it essential to us. If we're to fulfill the mission that, that Jesus has given us, then agape love is going to be an important part of how we share 
with other people, how we can witness to the truth of the Bible, to the truth of the gospel. That this love is different and it's from God and it's making a difference in our lives. Uh, secondly, uh, this agape love uh, as empowers, it motivates and it informs, gives right thinking to this fruit of, this, of the Spirit. Uh, back in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, verse 1. Uh, if I speak in, in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. Uh, verse 2, same, same kind of idea, but have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3, but have not love, I gain nothing. Agape is significant because without agape love, uh, our motives are self-interest and pride. I've been hugely challenged by that this week. Without without love, joy is just being uh, giddy and just, yeah, peace is trying to avoid conflict just for a quiet life. Patience is just waiting to get what we want. Kindness is, I'm going to do something for you, but I'm hoping that you're going to be doing something back for me. Goodness is just trying to earn approval from others, etc., etc. It's love that makes the difference. It's agape love that makes the difference to these things. Without it, without that, it robs those other characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, of their value. They lose that divine purpose, that divine nature. Thirdly, I want to suggest to you that love is important because it will last eternally. It lasts forever. Still in 1 Corinthians. Just a bit further down there, verse uh, uh, verse 8 uh, where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Um, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why does Paul say the greatest of those three is love? And again, that's agape love. Right? Well, it's because when we get to heaven, we're not going to need faith. We know what the answer is because we're going to be face to face with our Lord and Saviour Jesus. We're not going to need faith at that point. It has been replaced by sight. We're going to need hope because that hope has been realised. But love, we'll have that love eternally with God. We will have that love eternally face to face with our God and our Lord and our Saviour. Love lasts. All those other things don't last. Love lasts forever. It was there before the beginning of time, as we said, with the Trinity, and we'll be there right at the end of time. Finally, then, the importance of this love is that, as well as being a character trait, it's also a command to be followed. Uh, ben was helpfully telling us last week that these fruit of the Spirit are character traits that, that a Christian will, will have. Uh, that is true of God as well, which is true of Jesus. Um, 
that is, as soon as someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit has, has come into them and has brought those character traits with them. And the language there in Galatians chapter 5 is descriptive. Okay, we're dis- Paul is describing something that has happened. Instantly, when someone has become a Christian, they have this fruit. However, uh, fruit on a fruit tree does not grow instantly. It might be there, but it grows over time. Uh, slowly and it develops, faster in some seasons, slower in some seasons. And so three times in the Gospel of John, for example, Jesus commands us to love one another. So yes, it is a trait, but it is also a command. Uh, we we uh, read one a, a moment ago from John chapter 13. And Jesus sometimes does this, doesn't he? He, he, he gives us commands in, in a way that can sound weird, as if he's saying something like, grow into what you already are. Uh, do the things that you already are. Uh, agape love is your character. Since you believed and followed me, now go and do loving things that reflect that character. So this love is important because, yes, it's a character trait that God, Jesus' people have, but it's also a command that we're to do our best to follow. And that's why it's also important. Well, finally then, on our, on our twig, uh, the G, uh, growing in love. If, that's, if, that, if fruit needs to grow, how can we grow in love? How can we do that? If you're a Christian and we already have that uh, trait brought by the Holy Spirit in us, uh, how can we really get into uh, growing in love? Well, again, a bit like growing uh, fruit at home, we need to pay some attention to it. We, we need to be that person who is obsessed by growing tomatoes. We need to be that person who is absolutely obsessed with uh, the quality of their fruit and veg that they're growing on their allotment uh, in order to uh, win competitions and amaze their friends and to do things and get food that tastes fresh and nice because we all know nothing tastes like the tomato that you've grown yourself. Um, we need to be like that about love. We need to be obsessed with growing in love. Now, I have to look up lots of books and stuff when I'm gardening, but fortunately when it comes to growing in love, we have an expert. We have an expert on this. We have the Holy Spirit, who has been loving God the Father and God the Son since the beginning of time. And even better news, remember, they're living inside us Christians. So all we've got to do is to get in step with them, to be a willing participant with them. John Stott helpfully said it like this, we are both totally dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit within us and totally responsible for our own character development. I think that says it well. So, so how are we going to do it? How is the Holy Spirit going to work in us to get that? How can we work with the Holy Spirit to get that? 
Well, the Holy Spirit is going to use the Bible to inform and to inspire us to change. And that's really handy because the, the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible to be written in the first place. And the Holy Spirit helps us to read the Bible. So it all, it all connects up, right? He's, he's helped to write it. He's in us trying to grow uh, fruit of the Spirit, particularly love in this case. And he's going to help us to read it. It's brilliant because he's there. He's going to do it. Do it. He's doing all the things at the same time. Fabulous. The Holy Spirit is going to use prayer as we seek to to grow, to pray more, to be uh, to be more like Jesus, and 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 to, to follow His example of love. And it's great because we know again from the Bible that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to facilitate prayer inside us. He already knows God, who we're praying to. Again, they've been loving each other since all eternity. Can you see these themes here? And so God, and so, and so the Holy Spirit now is going to help us as we pray to God, as we think about loving people more. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, use our actions as we obey the commands that love dictates we follow, not out of duty, not out of legalism, but out of the very nature of this love. One incredible thing that God has given us the Holy Spirit to equip us to do exactly what he's commanded to do. We sing a song sometimes with a line in, the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. And yet we are strengthened to follow his commands. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Let's have a look in Galatians chapter 5 again, verse, uh, verses 24 and 25. Let me read those for you. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What's going on here? Um, the Spirit is helping us. Verse, 20, verse 25 there, we live by the Spirit. Colin Smith helpfully points out that our sinful nature, that sinful nature we said earlier that's a war with the, the spirit inside us, is slowly being crucified. It's being crucified. Now you, 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 you probably know from when we've looked at the death of Jesus that crucifixion is a slow death. It doesn't result in uh, instant death. It does ultimately result in death. And so our sinful natures are being crucified. They're constrained on the cross of Christ. They've been nailed there when we've put our faith in him, but they're not dead yet. And that's why we're still fighting that battle. We're still fighting that battle because our sinful nature, which is nailed to the cross, still has an influence on us. But we have the spirit inside us who is helping us fight that battle. Our pride and our self-interest, which are just so contrary to agape love, are being slowly killed. As we read the Bible, as we pray, as we carry out loving actions, as the Spirit works inside us. This is how we're going to grow in love. Deliberately. Intentionally. What loving actions can we take? Who, who do we not feel like we love and what are we going to do about that? Who do you feel that you don't love maybe in church and what are you going to do about that? Go and do something. 
Let the Holy Spirit inform you as you do. Well, my my uh, my harvest of grapes from my two vines is, yeah, I mean, honestly, you, I, it could be a garnish on a salad, one salad, perhaps. Um, in terms of this first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, let's understand what this is about so that, that we have a much better harvest than that. Church, let us understand the source of this love, where it's coming from. Our Trinitarian God, let us understand that it needs to be at work. Let us see its importance to us. We need to understand this, church, if we're going to be about our mission, if we're going to be living our lives, if we're going to be in, live our life in step with the Spirit. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you to look at the Christians who you know. Look at the Christians who you know. Watch how they love each other. As imperfectly as that can sometimes be, sometimes often be, look how they've loved you. Look how they love each other. I trust you will see from time to time a different quality to that love. That is a direct sign to you that God is real, that Jesus loves you and wants to share that love, that agape love with you. But if you accept that love and you turn to follow him, you can experience this agape love eternally. This agape love is fundamental in our lives, whatever our position is before God. What fruit will Jesus find in you when he returns for the harvest? Let's pray. Heavenly gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it informs us about your nature. Particularly in this case, it informs us about your great love for us. What an amazing love. Father, we could speak about it forever. We could sing about it forever and write about it forever. We still would not totally express it. Father, we pray that we would understand just our, our place before you. That we would uh, either be know and recognise and be confident about our faith in you because we can see the way in which this agape love gets expressed through us. Or if not, Lord, we pray even today, even now, those of us who are not Christians would want that love, that kind of eternal love, and would turn to you in faith and repentance. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to grow in love. We ask it in your Son's name. Amen.